Hello. Welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast, where we discuss mindful movement through dance and through life. I am super excited for this week's episode. It is with Carlo Durang, and Carlo is somebody who really has impacted and changed my life for the better. So I'm really excited to share this because there's a lot of great insights. We talk about the importance of dance education, understanding the history and heritage of different art forms, the essence of grooving, the difference between acting and being, his leadership style, and what it means to prepare and have a plan and also be flexible. And also, this is the last episode of this season. So thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for the next season. Okay. Hello. Welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast. Today, we have Carlo Durang. I think the name speaks for itself. So I'm not even going to try to introduce you. Just introduce yourself. <laughs> oh, hi, I'm Carlo. I'm a dancer choreographer based out of San Diego, California. I direct teams uh, like Choreo Cookies. I also direct the studio at Studio FX and then also Grown Ups. And yeah, I teach drop-in classes in San Diego. And uh, a lot of my work just revolves around choreography or even teaching and education within dance. So yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay, I'm going to start with kind of the same question, but not really. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people perceive you as a good dancer. Do you feel that way? <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> what, is, what is your journey with dance? Cool. I think like... It's interesting because I think especially this past year, I've been kind of thinking about what my role is and what I, you know, we always think about what we excel in and whatever. And obviously, like, uh, I am in a position of leadership when it comes to, like, the dance community in San Diego. But I think, like, not my true root, but I think, like, what always stands by me is, like, yeah, like, just trying to be a good dancer, whether it's, like, learning other people's stuff and just focusing on that. Like, I love learning other people's choreography or -hmm. just even, like, I think within freestyle and like finding myself, it's just been more so like the dance aspect. Mm -hmm. And I think I've noticed that I excel with, I guess, the way that I dance and the way that I groove. But I think a lot of my identity within that also comes from like leadership and whether it's being a leader or being a mentor. Like, I think Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of more like one-on-one interactions. I know like we've had our one-on-ones or even um, other students as well. And I feel like that's how people know me as well as not just being a good dancer, but also like sharing the info that makes me a good dancer and trying to like give that to other people so they can kind of find their own version of what that is to themselves too. Mm-hmm. So, okay. To like break down all the words that you, you talked about, what does it mean to be, a, or, okay. What is the conventional definition of being a good dancer? And then how are you, I think recently trying to redefine that? Hmm. I think for me, we always thought, okay, so I'm going to speak from just like a choreography community standpoint. Cause I think Obviously, like when we go outside of that, it's a different definition or we kind of perceive it as a different way. Um, I think what we thought or what I thought was being a good dancer was being able to go into any class and learn anybody's choreography and just be able to adapt and um, just kill it or just like execute it really well. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I can dance with a group and I can adjust and I can like look good with that group. I think that's what I would define it as. But I think as of lately, being a good dancer to me has been more so how can I communicate and express how I feel through dance and how I communicate that, like making sure that it's as clear and concise as I want it to be. 
yeah, I'm still also trying to figure out what that is too. But for example, like Mm -hmm. if I feel like if I'm listening to a certain song, Mm -hmm. um, let's say I'm freestyling, I'm listening to a very specific song Mm -hmm. um, and it's making me feel a very certain way. How can I dance to this like the most naturally and like find the meeting point between myself and the music and where we kind of like share that connection and being able to communicate that, right? So it's no longer about if I'm able to do somebody else's moves or how clean a move is. It's simply like, is my feeling and expressions being genuinely communicated and am I connecting with the music, right? And I think it's almost, I almost compare it to like a language, like learning a new new language Uh or writing in English, like, Mm the thoughts that I'm trying to communicate, am I able to jot this down clearly to mm-hmm. whoever, whether it's the audience or even to myself when, I, when I'm dancing? And um, yeah, is what I'm consciously trying to do, is that what's actually happening? Mm-hmm. And I think to me, that's what being a good dancer is right now, is being very conscious of what I'm doing. Um, also being conscious of the languages that I'm using or the art forms that I'm using and that I know enough vocab to be able to communicate what I'm trying to get at. So for example, like popping too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we know Fresno, we know walkouts, we know, um, man, every time I talk about this stuff, like the words just like leave me, we know, yeah, we know Fresno's, we know strutting, we know all these different things, right? But do we know how to communicate through just that one art form uh, when that music comes on? Or are we just regurgitating choreography? And I think that's what I've been trying to figure out is like, is this dance coming from within or is it just muscle memory not even really dancing to the music or really connecting with the music so Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting because like I I mean we've talked about this as like dance as a language but also like I've mentioned this kind of on the podcast with Kevin but I guess like what would you say like there are certain aspects that's fundamental to a language right like grammar words meaning what would Mm -hmm. you say is like the fundamentals of the language of dance? I think it's important that we need to recognize there's so many different art forms that are here. Like, even though, like, we think that it's, okay, everything's up for grabs and we just put it all together and whatever. I think it's important to recognize that popping is its own language or its own art form aside from locking. It's not pop and lock. It's popping, locking. Mm-hmm. And let's say that if somebody was trying to be like, okay, I'm gonna take a little bit of popping, I'm gonna take a little bit of locking. And it's like, so if you were to try to speak just popping, like it would be a little bit incomplete and you'd run out of stuff. And also, also like these are two different languages. It's almost like you're trying to speak with English and German and like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, you know, people can do that or how people do like Spanish and English, like a little bit of both and yeah. you can still communicate the idea. But um, yeah, I think, for me, the idea is like, I want to make sure that I know enough popping where I can just like understand the vocab and just speak popping or also just speak locking or house. Even though these things can be combined to make something really cool, like, I think it's really important to learn the languages as a separate thing first. And those are just, I think I'm just speaking on just the vocab, right? So, like with house, right? Loose legs three-way, sidewalk, the jack, jack in the box, um, whatever, salsa step, heel toe, and understanding Mm -hmm. like these are very, you know, every art form has very specific things to it. Mm -hmm. 
and then after we learn the words, then we can start thinking about the cadence or our grammar or how we inflect our voice. Is it exclamation mark? How much more energy is an exclamation mark compared to a period or a comma or how we let things kind of like go through it. Maybe it's like an ellipses where it's like to be continued, <laughs> but like that's the things that we put on top of the vocab that we already know, right? Like you can't just have textures without having words that we're putting on top of if we're speaking like language wise, like you're not gonna put punctuation only when it's like, we don't even have words in our sentence yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're just, doing a bunch of stuff and it's just textures like it's it's incomplete but yeah obviously I think this this metaphor has its limits yes. and <laughs> has its mistakes as well but that's just how I've been seeing dance is understanding it like a language and that each language has its own respective like you we mix it later after we understand it but making sure that's kind of our base in which we start putting our creativity and our style later mm-hmm yeah, I hope that answered your question. I don't that know, did. We kind of went off. <laughs> no, that's okay. So this is a mindset that you've had recently. It's been the past few years. Um, I've been really like, you know, obviously with the choreo community, I think it's very like just heavily reliant on choreography and if we can pick up choreography and whatnot. And I think what the whole community is starting to understand is that, you know, these specific art forms need a, more respect from us yes. um it's not just bits and pieces and you can't just I think I take like some competitions right that required us to show off these art forms you know people would just Fresno for an eight count and then checklist <laughs> boom that's popping and then that's it mm. but it's like yo there's so much more to popping than just a Fresno and also like there's so much more to popping than just doing it in choreography and just saying like okay boom checked it off you know what I mean mm. like there's so much more to that and uh I think there are people who like live and breathe this and there's a lot more depth, but we're just not taking the time to find that. Um, so I think it's been the past few years that like, you know, I fell in love with popping and really like have been resonating with it and just trying to learn as much as I could and talking to other people and just not being afraid to like get down with other people and show that side of me. And then now understanding that like, Hey, that mindset also has to be applied to, you know, if you're going to be into another art form, whether it's hip hop and respecting hip hop rather than, oh, you don't want us to call it hip hop? All right, we'll call it something else. <laughs> nah, instead of calling it something else, let's just be more about it. You know what I mean? Because I've had conversations yeah. with different freestylers who are like, you don't have to call it something new. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? Where'd that come? Like, why did, you know, maybe because we felt like that, you know, but yeah, let's just be more about it. And yeah. I think remembering too, like also like what a lot of my learning comes from what I observe within the studio the thing with that too is that some of these things that we try to implement you don't see the effect until like years mm. or a year or two later right mm -hmm. so I think like after this community has kind of experienced what it's been experiencing with like urban dance or trying to provide a platform for like freestyle like after now we're seeing like okay like how we're doing this like now we need to integrate it more because now we're seeing that it's being treated as more so an elective mm -hmm. while people are seeing choreo as a main thing, you know? And now based off of that, like, okay, what, what changes do we need to make now? And I think like what we've been trying to do at the studio too is like kind of emphasizing, yo, choreography, like if you notice, like you could tell like this vocab is present, mm 
the teachers had to take the time to learn these these forms and the teachers who are really good or the choreographers who are really good don't just do choreo and i think we've been trying to more so emphasize that and also emphasize that like yo if this is an art form that you resonate with more because like for me like i said earlier like for some reason popping just really like spoke to me more than other art forms right like why do i find myself wanting to pop more than maybe like wanting to pursue whacking and i think it's important to understand that a lot of these art forms were birthed out of very specific social climates right mm -hmm. so for example like whacking came out of the liberation of lgbtq folks mm -hmm. and that's why whacking really resonates with people who are trying to like liberate themselves and really be confident in being that standout-ish right mm -hmm. And I think each art form has its own little shtick of like, it speaks to people who speak this way, you know, because mm -hmm. I see, I see, you know, there's a lot of students in at the studio right now who are starting to like, they see whacking and they resonate with it. And now it's like, okay, like, you know, like, instead of being like, let's learn whacking choreography or learn from a, a teacher who kind of has those things. It's like, yeah, like, we need to provide a platform so that these kids can understand this language better mm -hmm. and yeah I think at the end of the day you know I could talk about this with all the different art forms and all the different kids who resonate with different things um, but I think you know I grew up in a studio was heavily choreography even though my teachers they did dance and they did you know we did do the background of hip-hop and we had to learn the history and all that stuff but now how can we provide a platform for the youth so that they can you know the choreo community whether we stop it or not, like people are gonna keep doing this. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like if I stopped and was like, yo, like I'm gonna be a freestyler because <laughs> I think we should all do this. Like somebody else is gonna take advantage of this choreo community and capitalize on it. Yes. And I'm not saying we're capitalizing on it, but I think it's important that we are at this point where we can steer the wheel to a better direction and emphasize, maybe we can be a studio that is not just choreo, mm -hmm. it's just, you come here, you got, you got free, like battle heads up in here teaching classes, you got choreographers teaching classes, and like whichever one you resonate with, whether it's one or the other or both, you have the opportunity to like learn that. But also like us choreographers have to be held accountable to like, okay, like there's these, there's popping class here. So I got to get up in there. And yeah. then also when I get up in there, I also have to now do my outside homework. And same with hip hop. You know, right? We got Jojo on Tuesdays. We got Matt on Fridays. <laughs> like we got BG on House on Thursdays. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know. I also think that it's important to like influence our community to be like, hey, if the if my favorite choreographer is up in here, because that's you know, unfortunately, that's how people yeah like learn is they look up to the person that you know mm -hmm. they look up to that person whatever they're doing. You know, even though for me, I might have been doing house popping and. I mean, house popping and hip hop for a really long time, but people just see my choreography, but they don't see that I was taking, like I was taking BG's class, house class on Thursdays back at Culture Shock. Like I had to tell some of the kids that affects that. I was like, yo, I used to, like BG didn't just show up out of nowhere. Yeah. Like yeah, I took his class at Culture Shock and that's why I wanted to bring him here. Oh. Or same thing with Jojo, like, yo, this dude's dope. Or same thing with Matt, you know, these people are dope and this is what's gonna, mm -hmm. like, this is what's gonna help all of us out is just being, being exposed to people who actually like live and die <laughs> yeah this junk, you know what i'm saying but yeah just trying to give the kids an opportunity to just 
I think have a better platform than we or a more well-rounded platform than we did. Yeah. Even though our we had I think we had great opportunities at the same time though. But yeah. Yeah. Always doing better. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you said a lot of things there. But yeah, we kind of went. Like, uh, went <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, but to like, I guess, like focus the conversation a little bit about your dancing. You said that mm. you're, you're inspired by hip hop, house, and popping. I would say the ones that definitely build my foundation are those three. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm also thinking about my choreography and a lot of the things and the way that I dance, like like my bounce or my rock is always still present. You know, bounce, mm-hmm. rock, skate, roll, hop. That's mm-hmm. hip hop. Right. Yeah. Also, like, you know, sometimes I'll implement top rocks just naturally because that's something that even in high school that I was always doing. And I think just being able to identify those things and be like, okay, when I teach that, you know, I got to reference where that comes from. Or Mm. even with popping, like a lot of the, you know, I do a lot of walkouts, um, do a lot of walkouts. And I think even my angles with Toy Man, like, is very present. So I, I think for me, I have to make sure that I identify those things. And then I also tell the students, hey, this is where it's coming from. Also, hey, Jojo teaches popping on Tuesday. So if you if you don't know how to pop, like sometimes I have that popping technique in my choreography, but I'm at that point now where I'm like, yeah, like I can do it, but like this is where it comes from and this is who you can learn it from. Because mm-hmm. I know that's a conversation I have with people of like, you got to reference it back. Yes. And like kind of make sure we're like giving that knowledge to people so they know where to go yeah. um, to learn those things. House, for sure. I think like, I've always been a footwork person and I think house helped me like get into that, but also like when house music comes on and like, you just want to like be free and just fly all over the place. Like it's, I don't know. These art forms weren't strictly just to like help me get better at choreography. There was always something about that art form that really like, you know, when I listen to hip hop music, like (laughs) what comes out, you know what I mean? What naturally comes out or even popping, like what naturally comes out. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it was more so like for me to enjoy dance longer, even outside of choreography, I'm going to pursue these things that hella resonate with me and just are pulling, pulling at me. And I'm just like, all right, let's just, just go for it. But those three for sure. I still, honestly, I love all of it. Yeah, <laughs> like, cause you know, like, cause locking too, like, even though I don't mess with locking a lot, James Brown comes on or cameo or any other funk track. And I just feel that urge yeah. to. <laughs> I remember I saw this quote, and I'm getting a little bit off tangent, it's okay. but um, Mr. Wiggles, if you don't know who Mr. Wiggles is, if you're listening to this, you need to go do that. Um, yeah, Rocksteady, that's OG. But he had this post where he was locking and he said in his caption, he's like, I'm not a locker, but I funk a lot. <laughs> and it's kind of like, yeah, for me too, like I, I might not be a locker. Um, and same thing, like I might not be a battlehead or I might not be... I might not live and breathe as much as other people do with like a very specific art form, but like, there's just something that, you know, when that music comes on and it like calls to you and mm-hmm. that movement comes out, but yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish I recorded this as a video so that people can see what you're doing. <laughs> you're just like really animated. <laughs> um, okay. But good transition. Cause so, okay. I've been thinking about like references as a whole. Mm. And something that like uh, scientists, when they write their papers, they have to like cite their sources at the bottom or like when they talk about like certain like theories, they always refer back to like the specific paper that like that like uh, named the theory. So like the balance of like 
trying to reference people but also not like referencing like everything all at once because you know the list is like never ending so that's a that's a comparison between like scientists and dancers oh <laughs> how else do you think that because we talk about this a lot but how else yeah, do you yeah. think that there's like this like connection between like being a scientist and being a dancer Word. It's cool because I know we talk about this a lot and it's funny. I had a private today where I showed my student that uh, journal. So, yeah. and it's funny because I think we also forget that like, um, you know, freestylers or I think people in general, whether you choreograph or whatever, you know, we all jump into dance with different intentions, whether we go in there to train or we go in there to choreograph or we go in there to like exercise or whatever or we go into like a cipher to like kind of show off what we worked on. I think that phase that we talk about where we're like kind of creating and experimenting, right, is uh, labbing, right? And I think how I relate being a scientist to dance is those moments where we're labbing, quote unquote. And that's the point where like, I test a high, I, I, I come <laughs> up with a hypothesis. Yeah. Right? Yes. I'm like, huh, like, I wonder what it would be like to try this out. And then you test your hypothesis, you try out that concept. Did it work? Did it not work? But you're just pretty much like, you know, working out. And then I, for me, I've been trying to like write it down in a journal, yes. um, like what those things are. Uh-huh. And um, good thing you reminded me that this is not through video. Cause I was like, oh, let me get it. And then I'll show it to you. <laughs> but yeah, like I'll, I'll draw it out. Like I remember there is, I was labbing and I was working on my, my tutting. My Egyptian tuts, uh, for those that don't know, that is like a style that is heavily influenced by like hieroglyphics and shapes. And I was kind of like trying to figure out like what other shapes can I create or what am I not doing with my tuts? Because I felt like I was always doing the same stuff over and over, the same shapes, whatever. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to draw out everything, how I think the different positions that I can hit, you know? And it was like this stick figure that just like, (laughs) and all the different options of where I can put my arms and what makes sense. So I'm, I'm like sitting down, I'm drawing this out, but I'm also like, does that make sense? And I'm like putting my <laughs> arms in places as I'm sitting down and I'm drawing it. And then as I'm drawing it, I'm also like, oh, I wonder what like, you know, this is a front view of what my arms look like. I wonder what this looks like if I drew like an above the head view type of thing. Oh, that means that not only am I trying to make shapes that are flat, two-dimensional, like I'm against a wall, but now I can think that my shapes can extend uh, behind me or in front of me, almost like there's a 3D bubble that I can work with. But that's all coming from like just drawing this out and just thinking of it from different points of view. And it's not only just me like dancing that's gonna create the new movements, but also like, you know what? I gotta draw this out. And I have to think of it from, I have to look at myself from a different perspective, you know? So yeah, it just kind of helps me just uh, take myself out of my own body and just kind of see it in a new light. And then in addition, it kind of also helps me like stay on track. Uh, I'm not sure if everybody feels this way, but when I'm like training, like I'm doing one thing and then all of a sudden I'm like feeling it out and I start doing something else. Like maybe I'm trying to work on tutting and then all of a sudden, you know, I start doing like more so like Cobra, like snake Uh um, or a little bit more Boogaloo. And it's like, whoa, hold up. Like I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm I'm getting sidetracked. But when I write it out, it kind of helps me like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be working on right now. Mm. This is my track right here. So even if I'm freestyling, I get off track. I look at my notebook. I'm like, oh, sh- oh crap. Like I'm supposed to be working <laughs> on cutting. Okay, cool. And then I can also just start adding more notes on top of that. Like, okay, you can go off, but like t- 
cutting or whatever, but like maybe let's focus on textures if we're trying to like level up and whatever. So it's also not just a thing for me to track down new ideas, but also to help me stay on track because I can definitely get monkey minded where like I'm just jumping from one thing to another. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. I feel yeah. like that's still comparable to like being a scientist, like in like the research that's realm where it's like, I think maybe people don't understand this about scientists and dancers where it's like when you're actually running labs you don't see all the papers that don't get published there's like a lot of hypotheses that just like were there and then you go and do the exploration phase and then you like discover that it doesn't work mm -hmm. and then you go and like build off of that body of research you're like why well, I eliminated I eliminated this part of it so then I'm gonna go work on another part so I think like even with dancing and like social media, kind of like we always see dancers put out the pieces that they worked on and labbed on, mm -hmm. but we don't see the, I don't want to say like failures, but like the ex exploration part no, of it. No, you're right. You're right. I, I think the failures too is like, I, I know we're scared of that word failure because it's like, oh, damn, like, you know what I mean? You don't want to label this failure because it's also a learning lesson. But mm -hmm. no, I think that's important that like, you can't be a scared, you can't be afraid of failure as much as that word is so daunting, mm -hmm. like that's gonna happen. Yeah. Whether it's even like we're talking about freestyle right now, right? But even with choreography, like you're not even seeing the choices that I had to say no to. You just see the final product and you're learning it. But like, you didn't see that like, I was like trying out another move 50 million times before I even got to this one move that actually works. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, I think people just can't be afraid of failure because it, yeah. Like social media makes us feel like, oh man, like everybody's at this point already. Yeah. Damn. But yeah. Sure. I was listening to Brene Brown with Sarah Lewis. And one of the things that Sarah Lewis said was like, failure is just a return of blankness. Mm. Anyways, that's just a quote that people should know. Okay. Return of blankness. Return of blankness. So you just have to start over. It's not like it's ending or like, it's not like an end state, you know? Yeah. Uh, moving a little bit more forward, I want to say that like most of these art forms do have like a bounce or a groove or a rock to them. Mm -hmm. What is what is a groove? <laughs> <laughs> like, how would you explain it? I know I feel like people can feel that. But like, you know, how do you what is it to you? It's oh, man, I, I feel like I'm about to give you that same answer because I, I think like we, we we like to characterize groove as like the physical tangible visual rock yeah bounce um, i should have recorded this as a video but yes <laughs> <laughs> but um i think what it it groove is that mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. i think groove is not necessarily just the physical part of the rock or the bounce or like a roll or even just that you know that constant like uh, uh, <laughs> right yeah. Like, cause it, it is a feeling. I th It is a feeling. And, um, but the bounce, you know, I might be totally wrong, but this is how I feel like, but the bounce and the rock and all that stuff is, is the reaction of feeling that groove. Hmm. What like, if it's like, sorry, cause I only have psychology concepts to, to compare it mm -hmm. to. What if it's like my words when I tell you I feel a certain way, 
is the words of expression, but like I feel an emotion. Does that make sense? I, I think what we're trying to say is like, because for some reason I'm starting to think of philosophy now. Okay. Like the the intention behind it or the idea of it is more real than the physical part of it. I think it's the idea like Eidos, right? So the idea of a cup is more real. This is getting a little bit too wild, but we're going to try to follow through with it. It might not connect, but the idea of the cup is more real than the cup itself, the physical cup itself, because the cup, the physical cup is just mm. a representation a physical copy representation of the idea that you had in your head. Yeah, wait. I think that was like the the idea of Eidos in like philosophy or something like that. I, I think something I talk about is like essence. Like there are essences of like one, well, like, sorry, this is a tangent, but like what a woman is or like what dancing is, but then the way that we verbalize them or like physically represent them are, are not enough for our essence of it <laughs> this is yeah <laughs> it's getting really wild right now but i think the idea of what i'm trying to say is that i don't think that groove can necessarily be characterized by the physical motion of the rock or the bounce like you can do the physical part of it without actually having groove because i think groove like you said is like this essence that like i think groove is that feeling and that intangible like it's that intangible that like, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. it can be represented by a bounce or a rock, but I don't think it's mutually exclusive to, okay, if I'm doing this, I'm grooving because mm -hmm. there has to be something behind it. And usually I do that bounce or the rock when I am feeling the groove already and the bounce and the rock comes from that mm -hmm. essence, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, but yeah, you can't just bounce and be like, okay, I'm grooving because it's like, what if you're not really like feeling it? Mm. You know what I mean? Because uh -huh. that's what I've been trying to figure out too. Because people have been coming up to me and like, yo, like your groove is yeah. crazy. And I'm mm. like, and you know, for me, like when I hear that, I've been trying to be like, yo, is that like my physical groove? Is that the, like, the physical aspect of me adding the bounce in the rock that's creating that? But then I remember I worked with a student very recently. Uh, shout out to Miko. Hey. Um, yeah, shout out to Miko. I remember I asked him like, what are you trying to, why me specifically are you trying to work? Why are you trying to work with me specifically? Right. And he was like, like, I, there's like, you just, you could tell you're having fun when you, yeah. and when I heard that, you know, obviously I wasn't like, I do have fun every time I dance, but it wasn't something that like, I consciously do like, I need to make sure I have fun with dance. It's just something that Wild. it can't not be fun. You know what I mean? But I think that's why my groove quote unquote might be so good is because I'm always having fun and I'm always finding like a reason to like enjoy the music um, whether it's a super slow song or it's a little bit more upbeat I think maybe my experience has allowed me to like find the fun and the way that I need to feel with that mm -hmm. song because I you know I might be a dancer but like I love music you know like in the shower <laughs> I'm singing and I'm I'm or in the car like I'm, I'm moving, I'm bouncing around all that stuff yeah. because I love music. And yeah. I think that's where the groove comes from is uh, my love for music and, and just enjoying the music in that moment. And I think that's why I say that groove cannot simply just be exclusively a physical thing. Yeah. Because like I, I've taught, you know, I've taught a lot of people and 
I've been trying to teach them like, you know, this is what I do. Like, this is how I bounce. This is how I rock. You know, this is how I use my chest to like create that groove. But then it's also like, it's not a tangible physical thing that you can just like add mm-hmm. on top. And I think that's what people might be missing when they're trying to groove more is like, no, you just have to like, I think you just have to love music more. <laughs> and that's hard to say because some people just inherently love music a certain amount. You know, some people not as much as others, but yeah, for me, like I just treat it as if like, yeah, if I heard when I hear music in the club and you're just like, oh, damn, you know, when your song comes on, you yeah. know what I mean? Your song yes. comes on and you just, you're just going to yeah. move your head and you're just going to, you know what I mean? And I, I think I try to treat like, even when I'm in class or when I hear music at the studio, I try to treat it as such that like, yo, if you don't love this song or you're not going to be able to dance to it really well, you know? Yeah. I feel like I haven't said this, but the other time we had our popping session, I was like, I was just watching you (laughs) and I was kind of no and I was kind of just like oh like this guy like he really like doesn't even know that he's doing what he's doing you know you're just like really like present like lost in the moment even when you're okay even when you're talking right now like the way that you just like move around Mm. (laughs) like I don't know if you know that you're doing that no Um, but you can tell that like yeah like you can really tell that like you're like embodying like this feeling but that's hard because I feel like telling people how to feel and like be in touch with that is a hard thing, right? That's really hard. I think that's a very intimate thing. Um, yeah, and it's, it's hard because you know, I've worked with a lot of different people through dance, you know, like I've seen, I've worked with so many different levels and not just level wise, but I think, you know, every new person that I work with is like, it's a new challenge to figure out like, mm. what do they resonate with? How do they listen? Like, is it encouragement? Is it competition? Like, what is it that gets into that point? Or like, what music do they vibe out to? And it, it's a new, it's a new challenge with each person because it's every person's so different. And I don't know. It's funny that you said that. Like, I do feel like throughout the past few years, actually, like, cause I, I don't know for me when it comes to whether it's talking to people or dancing, or, I mean, you see it at the studio, like when I I just start striking a conversation with whoever and I just get lost in it. Something that I've always tried to bring is that like, yo, like you gotta make it a good time for everybody that's involved. Whether it's a conversation, um, whether it's dance, or even, it's funny, I talk about this at the studio, I just literally said this to Anthony, or I think I was talking to this with Josh, but it was like, you know, something that Anthony and I do at the studio is like, you know, for the front desk that are here, like we try to make sure that they're here having fun. So we try to joke around with them, Mm. you know, ask them questions and how can we just get people involved in interaction, but also allowing for ourselves to be a part of that too. Um, And when we're kind of giving ourselves in that way, we're like, okay, like I'm going to laugh. I'm going to try to like be extra boisterous for all of y'all. It just kind of, brings everybody else up too. Yes. Um, you know, rather than being like, okay, you're here, do it. It's like, yo, if I want somebody to joke around, I got to joke around. Or if I want somebody to be comfortable with themselves, you know, what do I have to do? Right. Sometimes I'll make fun of myself or like, <laughs> I do that a lot. Um, yes. <laughs> or like being okay with like letting myself be silly in front of people. Cause I think people tend to think that I'm very serious and very like, especially cause I am kind of like a 
director of the whole studio, they kind of see me as like, oh, Carlo, yeah. like, <laughs> um, sorry for taking your time. And I'm like, dude, like what? Like, <laughs> like, dude, you could ask me anything. I don't care. Like we can joke around. We could talk like normal people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not anybody. And um, I think that mentality has just really allowed me to just be really present and really I don't know genuine with everybody that I work with yeah um because I don't want anybody to feel like oh this person not unapproachable but like oh this person's like very hot shot or oh man like I don't want to you know I don't want to upset him or I don't want to like you know get up in his bit it's like no I'm as a normal ass person because people are like oh you're Carlo you're famous I'm like bro I could walk around Disneyland nobody knows who the <laughs> hell I am you know I could walk around UTC and nobody knows who I am. So stop with that. I'm just, a, I'm, I, I just take a lot of class and I've been doing this for a really long time. That's the only difference is I've been doing what you're doing longer. That's mm-hmm. it. I ain't so celebrity, but I think, yeah, just, I think just being genuine with other people and showing that energy. And I guess that does resonate within my dance as well. That just like, just have fun. It's not this complicated thing where all right, am I better than so-and-so or like, am I intricate enough? Or like, are my moves cool enough? Like, sometimes I'm like, man, like, is this still fun? Like, that's all that should really matter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the educational point, of <laughs> making sure yeah. we're passing down the right information and preserving the culture. But at the end of the day, yeah. Like, am I, am I bringing positive energy and is everybody that's around me having as much fun as I am? Yeah. And am I providing that? Yeah, I think that's definitely where it comes from. But, it's, you know, as you say it now, I'm kind of like, oh, I didn't realize. It's one of those, like, I didn't even realize I was doing that until very yeah. recently. I so. feel like maybe it's not, like, complication that's the problem, but that, like, we spend too much time focusing on the things that we sh- that that don't matter. Right? Because I feel like it takes a certain amount of, like, complexity to understand the history and appreciation of the art form Mm -hmm. okay anyways this is a question on my mind and kind of like out there not really were you were you always like this like (laughs) like Uh, i guess like the (laughs) the difference the difference between like being and acting like do you ever feel like you're not just being Hmm. I think it depends on where I'm at because mm-hmm. I you know I think being or being and acting well I'll say it in this way I think when it you know being a leader in uh, our San Diego dance community um, or being a mentor in our San Diego dance community requires me to be on and off at certain times whether I want to be on or off you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, oh man, but as I'm saying this, so I feel like there are times where I feel like I have to, I can't just be, but I have to like put myself into that position of like, hey, you might not be feeling 100%, but you got to get to that point. But then as I'm saying that right now, I feel like it's also an understanding of like, how do I get to that point where I can just be Interesting. myself? And mm-hmm. when do I feel like, oh man, I'm just like tired and I'm out of it. Right. But I do feel like, I've had those days where I was out of it, but then when I had to go into the studio and like, all right, it's time to get into rehearsal or it's time to get into this private session. It was always like, you know, I feel like I was bringing my brain back to that point of like being, 
So even though there's points where I'm like, oh, I don't feel like I want to be that, wow. you know, like louder leader today. Like, I don't know if I have the energy, but then once you start, you're like, oh man, I forgot. Like, I love doing this. And <laughs> um, also like how I'm going about it, of, you know, it's not like I'm just barking orders. You know yeah. I, mean? I think a lot of it, a lot of my leadership does come from like connecting with other people, um, seeing other people's strengths and weaknesses and delegating how we use the resources around us. So I think that does require me to connect and have to be genuine and communicate with people. And I think like, honestly, once I start talking to people, even if I wasn't in that mood to like, it's like, I'm in the mood now, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, yeah, I think in that context of like, you know, where I feel like I have to fulfill a role, even if like, it might be harder that day to fulfill that, I do have to bring my headspace into like, how can I provide this genuinely as myself rather than just being like, filling the role of what does a leader do? I have to do those things. It's like, all right, you're about to step into the leadership role. Where are you at capacity wise? But also what are you about to do? But how can we do this genuinely so that I can still enjoy it at the same time? Because at the same time, like, you know, if I'm not enjoying it, the, the product or how I communicate with people or, just the impact is not going to be as much if I'm not putting myself into it. But I hope, I don't know if that answers your question. That, that kind of did. Kind of. <laughs> that, was, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I have to think about that. Yeah. Um, okay. In terms of leader leadership, you kind of talked about it, but like, how, what do you, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And then like, how do you balance that with other people that you work with? I think I'm a really good facilitator and a starter. I have a hard time finishing. So what I mean by that is, for example, I feel like I am good at setting up and building up into something. But like if it was something like I'm not comfortable with like closing pieces. That was something that was really hard for me. Really? Was choreographing <laughs> the ending piece. Well, you made like all of them. <laughs> not all of them. Not all of them. I, I think... I, with a lot of help from um, other people as well. Like I would have to be like, like for example, I think the recent like cookies closings that I've worked on, uh-huh. I remember it was when I first started directing cookies. I was like, yo, like Chris, Chris is good at finishing it out. You know what I mean? But I think as I started learning more then I was like, okay, I got to put myself in a position where, you know, I have to learn how to close it out. And I think it's also in my choreography. Like I'm really good at like finding the song and then like, getting it started. But then it's like that last eight count. I'm always like, yo, I don't know what to do to like finish you. this piece. Yeah. But yeah, I would say, yeah, my strong suits are big ideas, getting it started, getting the ball rolling. But to like cap it off and tie it all together, I think that's something that I have to do, have a little bit more work on. I also am not really good at balancing and planning out has been really extra hard for me I think when I was just directing cookies and then also just like one junior team it was easier and then now it's getting harder like kind of having my Mm -hmm. my brain in a bunch of different pots and I'm like I start getting like really confused and then it it gets a lot harder to balance but um, I guess how I balance that out is like especially with the adult teams like grown-ups or cookies I think realizing that we have a lot of talent on the team you know, especially mm-hmm. with grownups, like we started having before COVID, you know, we were having y'all choreograph a lot more and trying to get the ball rolling of like, all right, y'all are creating now. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Now what else can we do after those videos? We're like, all right, we were excited to like, okay, what else, what else can we do mm-hmm. uh, with the talent that we have? Then COVID hit, but that's kind of the direction that 
I always want to go is also empowering people to be like, yo, like you have what it takes and this is what it needs you need to do to get to that point of choreographing on stage or feeling confident in your movement or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I'm really good at that as well of uh, like bringing other people up just because I think I resonate with the underdog too, just because I feel like I was that underdog growing up. Like really? I was not, I was not that person that was like, I did not see myself as this, even though some people are like, no, I, I, I didn't see myself <laughs> as the person that was like, you know, born dancing and like, oh, this person is so good. Like this person's going to kill it. Like when I first started going to the studio and I was first on cookies, people weren't like, this dude's going to be a director one day. I wasn't me. That was, I was not the dude that spoke up at the end of rehearsal all the time. Wild. If anything, I didn't speak up until they asked me to be a director. And then it was like, okay, I got to get used to this, you know, oh. or even like choreography wise, I also feel like there were other candidates who were better at choreographing than I was at the time. But when I was chosen to be the next director, I, I felt like I had to like, oh man, like, all right, got to learn all these things now. You know what I mean? And even though I wasn't born a choreographer, um, I think I'm a dancer first and a choreographer. I'm, I'm putting that out there. I'm a dancer first, choreographer second. What's the difference? <laughs> I think that I am better at the way that I move and the way that I dance. Um, but to conceptualize and put the moves together, that is something that I had to learn. While other people are like, can make a routine really easy. They just understand how to build it. They understand what moves go together, how to visually appeal and make things look good. But for me, I think I, I, I flourished off of being a dancer, put the moves on me, I'm gonna make it look good somehow. And I'm gonna I'm a kill it. But then to make a routine, so to do a routine versus making a routine, I think I'm better at doing routines than I am at making routines, but I had to learn how to get better at making routines. But yeah, like I said earlier, I think like when I see people who like show the qualities, but then it's like they don't see it in themselves, I think those are the people that I really resonate with and the fact that I can see that. And obviously you can see the people who have it for sure. Like that's hands down. But when you can see the people who don't see themselves as that, but you know that they can get to that point, mm. those are those are the people that I like really resonate with and I really want to work with because it's like, I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm one of those people that was made into, I think had to learn and be made into this. Um, and if you want it bad enough and if you work hard at it, you don't have to worry about if you were born to do this or if you were naturally talented or if you were good at this when you were a young age it's like if you want it you figure it out you know so i am kind of a little bit also humbled that people are like yo your groove is crazy and i'm yeah. like that's cool to hear because I, I mean like i've always loved dance back in the day but you know when we think about natural dancers who've been natural since they since the day they were born or whatever i was not one of those people i had to wild i had to find it i won't say work at it i'll say find it Cause I think that's like a working at it. You can't just work out your groove and then <laughs> the more reps you do and the more times you sweat and the more heavy lifting, you're going to get it. I think it's like to find your, your thing or to find your groove or your essence. Um, <laughs> that's a very interesting journey that does, that is not mutually exclusive to just more reps and more exercise, you know? What is it? What is this journey? Oh, um, I think it's self-realization. 
and acceptance and I don't know it, it's just growing up honestly like <laughs> I mean some people like, don't know how to do that so you know <laughs> <laughs> we're all learning we're all learning how to do that right but I think for me when I started finding my own identity as a dancer and like kind of accepting like this is what you do stop trying to be like your your mentors or stop trying to be like your inspirations Mm. because when you actually listen to your body and also listen to also your mind and your spirit and when you listen to music and like how you react quote unquote to music and whatever if you listen to that then you'll be able to find your your style and like how you do things better when you listen to yourself rather than being like oh I'm trying to I'm trying to look like that which is easy because I think, especially when we have a very similar body type. Um, yeah. And like, you know, like, oh, those moves make sense on my body. Like for me, like Ving, Ving Nguyen, those moves for some reason make so much sense on my body. Like it doesn't feel like I have to work really hard to get those. But when I dance and choreograph or freestyle or whatever, I'm not going to try to look like Ving. I have to listen to what I do and how I do things. Because it's easy to be like, oh, I'm trying to fit this mannequin in my head. And that mannequin's probably going to look like one of your inspirations. And then what are you going to start doing? You're going to start trying to look like that. Um, but yeah, I think me trying to do these art forms and like also just freestyle. And when I enjoy it, rather than being like, okay, I need to, I need to look like this. And even like if I was doing just a two-step, like I have to listen to what my mind, my mind is telling me. Or I have to listen to the music too mm-hmm. what's the music telling me to do mm-hmm. and then from there that's kind of where I'm starting to find my groove or my style outside of who my inspirations are but it's hard honestly like I'm still yeah. trying to figure it out you know because sometimes you still regurgitate that muscle memory from your training in so-and-so's class right mm-hmm. um, but it's a very I don't know I've been trying to take dance as a very like spiritual like therapeutic experience where I'm trying to be like clear-minded and like it's some it's some it's a very different mindset than oh yeah um, wait you know how earlier you said like the expectation of the cup is like more more real than the cup cup yeah yeah and something else I've been thinking about like our with our minds and like our previous experiences is like we have a lot of like we have a lot of noise in our mind mm. and like we become out of practice with our own voice and and anyways okay what if what if we just spend too much time like spending thinking uh, that our image of ourself is the image of somebody else and we're not actually connecting with the image of ourselves okay <laughs> boom <laughs> yes yes damn that really all tied back well yes a hundred percent it's crazy because i i've been fortunate to have the opportunity to like teach choreography around the world right mm-hmm. and it's crazy because you definitely see people like not just the way that they dance but the way that they dress and you're already like oh, I already know who you watch <laughs> I already know which choreographers yeah. you watch which isn't bad you know poppers dress a certain way too yeah. hip-hop heads dress a certain way um lockers dress a certain way they make it really known like this is what i'm doing but people specific now we're getting into people specific choreographers like you can tell like when people dress like rie 
you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or you can tell like when people dress like Lyle or when people dress like Keone or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's not like the choreographers are forcing that. That's just kind of human nature. People kind of attach themselves to, you know, something. Oh yeah. And then they're like down for it, you know? And I think that like people definitely get attached to that yeah. more than themselves. Like, I definitely think you hit that shit on the nail for sure. Like, Sora Yang's merch makes me feel like I am sharing her essence. Mm. I think I've been thinking about this. Anyways, last question and just like a just like a or last question before I go into the the faster questions. Um so I'm somebody who tries to like over prepare for everything. And you have said in the past, I don't know if you remember this, but like failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So what, what is that? Like, what is preparing? How do I know when to not prepare anymore and just like do it? Or do you, has your philosophy changed on that? Let me know. It's hard because COVID (laughs) has kind of forced us a little bit to be on our toes way more. Yeah. Um, But I do think it depends. You also have to like, listen to yourself. and how you do things right so I was at that point where when I first started directing you know we always plan things to the T where okay stretching out from this time to this time and then water break from this time to this time and then we bring it in and do like a you know briefing for x amount of time right Uh, that's not going to change I think that planning Um, or blocking let's say like blocking right You, you have your formation set um, you got like, okay, there's a ripple here. Okay. And then it has to do this and it has to do this. And I think for me personally, I've understood that, like, especially with like blocking or just the overall vibe of rehearsal, like I'll make a plan, but I also have to understand that, like, there are also things that change the plan up or that there's variables that like, you can't really account for all the time. Right. So maybe it's, um, maybe for like blocking, for example, a little bit more clear cut, like these formations that you thought looked good on paper do not look good in person, right? Yeah. Or that ripple that you thought was tight is not tight. For me, I I also not just had to plan out like, okay, I'm exactly going to do this, but I also also had to understand when that blocking time comes, you know, I I already know that things aren't going to work. So I have to have a plan A, B, and C, but also because I, 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 we're getting into like no over planning, planning for when yeah. things don't work. But also I understand that I am a person that needs to see it and that I can, once I see it, then I can do things on the spot as well. But that's from experience after over time being like, okay, like I've planned for these things to happen. And over time I realized like there's a lot of things that I had to do on the spot, you know? So my planning is different, I guess. It's not necessarily like, am I planning more am I planning less but it's just like all right I know that I how can I plan around being on the spot right and kind Mm -hmm. of like working with that Mm -hmm. um like what checkpoint am I trying to get at right Mm -hmm. or maybe I've done this with grown-ups right we're like all right we're gonna do this block but we're gonna try to do more so like the general idea of the flow of the block and then later we'll do the nitty-gritty details Mm -hmm. later Right. And I think for me, that's just something like over time, I've understood that like I need to see the general and then it gets less and less blurry first rather than building from the very 
bottom and then like building slowly and surely. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think that it is always important to have a plan. Even if you're one of those people that does it on the spot, like if you're not setting checkpoints for yourself, mm. realistic checkpoints, right? And I think that's something to understand. Like we wanted to, I want to finish this block in one day. It's like, uh, I think we're at that point now where that's really hard because we're, we're trying different things. And we're also at this point where we're, things just don't look the same on paper yeah. as they do when you look at it. And now also we're getting into this realm of more so recording videos rather than performing on stage. Mm-hmm. Things on stage do not look the same <laughs> on camera, right? Right. Like the camera perspective is this cone that makes lines. Like when we do normal, like two lines and the spacing between lines, like it's, mm. it's so different when you see it on camera. So I think it's just like planning. I think over planning, planning, you have to plan no matter what. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I forget what the qu- exact question was, but I think it's listening to not just planning and just being like, okay, like these are all the steps, but you have to also understand like as artists that we all work at very different capacities and that we all create very differently. There are people who can plan out and create a block, plan it out. And that's exactly how they see it. And they can translate it straight onto their team. And it's exactly how it is. Or there are people who need to see it in person and they need to do it on the spot. Like they're not good at planning it, but if you are that type of person, how are you going to keep yourself accountable to hit checkpoints throughout rehearsal to make sure that you are still building at the efficiency of somebody who did plan it out? You know what I mean? I, I don't yeah. know if that answers your question. That does answer the question. It's just kind of like, because I think we know how to plan, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, everybody knows how to do that, but listening to yourself and how you create and how can you create a plan that revolves around that? Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> There's a lot more cool. that I want to ask you, but I don't want to like take up too much of your time. So, hey, I mean, I'm cool with it. Maybe like part two in two in, in like seven months. <laughs> I'm cool with that too. <laughs> or I could just, you know, talk to you. Anyways, okay. For okay, rapid fire questions. Actually, I think one thing I do want to say is like something that you do really well is like take into the consideration of other people's perspectives. Anyways, you didn't say that, but I, I just wanted to say it. Cool. Favorite video game you played and why? Ooh, I'm going to go with Spider-Man. Um, first of all, I'm a Spider-Man fan. I mean, you could see I'm wearing a Marvel X-Men shirt right now, <laughs> but Spider-Man, one, gameplay is amazing. Open world game. Two, story was amazing. I think it was the best iteration of Spider-Man in all mediums. It's an older Spider-Man the story just really hits. Um, it doesn't feel like it's just a video game that you are just, I'm trying to beat up people and I'm just trying to be Spider-Man, but you just, I felt like I was playing a movie. Interesting. A good movie with a good storyline. And I, I cried playing that game. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to just put it out there. Yeah. You, you got, I got emotionally attached. I play like, I play Call of Duty and it's not a really like story driven game. Yeah. But if you haven't played Spider-Man, you listen to this play that game. I don't care if you like comic books or not. It's a dope game. Okay. You feel powerful, but you also see that being a hero requires sacrifice <laughs> and that it come like a lot of things that aren't favorable come with the territory and responsibility yeah. of being a hero, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And it's a heavy price to pay, but 
I can go about that forever. All right, next question. Advice you give to your 21st year, 21 year old self. Oh, workout. And hold on, there's one thing because I'm already doing it now. Oh, you know what, man, everything that I'm doing right now, do it then. Like, <laughs> learn, man, take popping seriously. Like, actually get into it. Don't just learn popping moves and like put it in your choreography. Same thing with all like hip hop or anything. Also, is this just dance exclusive? No, no. Bitcoin, Bitcoin <laughs> and get Bitcoin, bro. That's what I would tell myself. Bitcoin or put your money in some type of stock. That's probably what I would tell myself right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Something that you had to unlearn this past year. My language, my language for sure. Like how I use my language to create a safe space for people, whether that is realizing that a lot of my language might be gender exclusive. So I think saying y'all, I've been trying to be more like better at that. Um, try not to be like, you know, hey guys, or um, I think just being aware of how I refer to people. Mm. And I'm, I'm not just that, but I think also how we speak upon other issues that are happening, right? So not just language in terms of he or pronouns, but I think language in terms of how we justify things that are happening. Yes. So if I had to relate that to right now, right? Mm -hmm. um, what's happening right now is uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, Stop Asian Hate. The language that we use to enable and justify, you know, people to continue doing these things or justify like, oh, this person was just having a bad day. You know what I mean? Uh, or this person, this not exclusively to this situation, but like, oh, this person, you know, had a diabetes little episode and said things that were out of pocket. But it's like, when you use that language to justify why these people are doing it, you're giving other people a reason to slip also. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or even like the language that people use to like, um, I think justify the murder of these innocent black people, like how people would like, you know, what are some of the things that would happen, right? Like they would bring up black and black, black on black crime, or they'd bring up like, if they weren't holding counterfeit money um, then, or if they weren't associated with this person then. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you have to understand that you think what you're saying is good. And you think the language of what you're saying is like progressive, but it's like, you're actually enabling people to like dehumanize others even yeah. though you think that you're trying to be positive. So yeah, I think just trying to make sure that like, I think, you know, not just my language, but also like having to critically think and be like, if this is my reaction to something, where is this reaction coming from? And why am I feeling a certain way? And I have to make sure that I'm dissecting this and being like, okay, is my reaction coming from a defensive standpoint? And am I justifying the perpetrator? in this situation or am I sympathizing with the victims of the situation what was my initial reaction doing or what is the language that like when I'm speaking about these things you know what I mean mm -hmm. um just making sure I'm really aware of what that language is mm. and how other people take that in because it creates a ripple effect this is such a tangent and this was supposed to be a speed round but I've been thinking about language a lot too and like the kind mm -hmm. of language I use and mm -hmm. 
something I learned a long time ago in like high school was like passive tone versus like active tone. So like when you speak actively, it's like he did this or they did this. Like they broke the vase is active. And then when it's passive, it's like the vase was broken. My teacher literally told me like there's a difference in the amount of like centering that you do. Like when you are trying to hold somebody accountable, you need to center the person. But like the media obviously doesn't do that. So <laughs> anyways, that's a whole last thing. Um, yep, yep. Last two things or last three things. Complete the sentence. Dance is. I was just going to say fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's okay. the first thing that came to mind. Okay. Unfortunately. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> um, complete the sentence. I am. <laughs> I am. Man, I was about to just leave it there. I am. Okay. Wait, that works. Wow. Period. Because I don't, you know, I think I'll say the reason why is because that. I think it's hard to identify with like, I am this, I am that, you know, like I could be, I am a dancer, but I think like, I've been trying to figure out, we talked about acting or being right. Mm -hmm. And I think I've been just trying to like be lately and just, I am me. Wow. I love like that. dance dance is not something I am yeah dance is something that I do I am Carlo and what does that encompass so that everything that I touch is Carlo right so like I am not a dancer I am Carlo that dances and yeah. I, that's something that I've been just trying to tell myself rather than being putting myself in a box of like I am a choreographer I'm a dancer it's like no I'm Carlo and everything that I do will have that stamp of it and just fortunately, I've been dancing for a long time and I understand how to put my stamp on my dance. I love that. I guess that's a justification of why I said I am. Yeah. Second tangent, because you taught you said it. There's this like also language wise, right? The amount of space you put in between you and what you do. And it's the same with like emotion. So like having great emotional intelligence is not saying I am anxious or I am angry. It's like I am noticing that I'm feeling anger and so like the more space you put in between your words the more space you're creating for yourself to feel but like so separate. do you do you mean the proximity of those words I and anxious like, like I literally. am anxious but I am feeling kind of anxious <laughs> okay no uh literally <laughs> it's like if you put in the amount of actions that you're doing so you are not like so when, what you're doing when you're recognizing an emotion is literally like feeling it and then also like noticing it. There's like this like cognitive, like mm -hmm. I label this as anxiety. And so mm -hmm. it's like, instead of like, I am anxiety, then your whole being is anxiety. Ah. Like, I am noticing that I'm feeling anxious. Mm. Yes. But the anxiousness, the anxiousness is not you. Yes. It's just something you're feeling. Yeah. Ah, I like yeah. that. You know so, what? I'm good. Yeah. So like, cause I've been trying to find this like balance of like being in your emotions and then like not, because I don't want to be like, don't do that. Anyways, mm -hmm, I'm almost mm -hmm. done. Okay. Lastly, um, just wanted to raise awareness to an activism org that you want to promote or a cause that they're, you know, doing. Yes. So, um, it's, it's crazy. Cause I remember I had a totally different one lined up before today, <laughs> yeah. but I think like in light of, you know, I logged into social media today yeah. and I was like, oh man, I was seeing a lot more. Um, it's been honestly tough to kind of like, even yeah. like look at 
a lot of the Asian hate that's going on. You know what I mean? Um, you know, cause you don't want to be like, Hey, like stop all the, cause you know, like, I don't know. You don't, you don't want to like be too transparent about it. And then like, you know, just be super emotional, but you know what? Today I was like, man, F this, like, you know what? Like this does piss me off. Like yeah. this does hella piss me off and whatever. Like, and look at how easy it is for, you know, our black brothers and sisters to like stand by us. You know what I mean? Like how easy it is for them to show up. And you know what? Like, man, I, I got to do better. And I think like the, you know, I, I really wanted to do something a little bit more like uh, woman led. I think my first one was like women of hip hop. But then I think like right now I'm looking at what I want to raise awareness of is uh, AAPI women led uh, specifically. So AAPI women led and hashtag I'm ready movement aims to strengthen the progressive political and social platforms of Asian and Pacific Islander communities in the US through the leadership of self-identified AAPI women and girls. Uh, yes. Their goal is to challenge and help end the intersections of violence against and within their communities. They do this work in solidarity with other communities of color. Um, and I think that's what's been really awesome lately of like seeing AAPI, but also seeing that they're like, yo, this is not just uh, a fight um, within just um, Asian American Pacific Islanders, but like we're all fighting the same fight. And if, you know, we want to get somewhere, we can't do it just ourselves. Like, and I think, you know, Black Lives Matter as well. Like, you know, they've been like, it's like hand in hand, we're fighting the same fight. And I think too, like, you know, obviously like I think women have been obviously like getting more of the brunt of that oppression just in the history of America. So mm -hmm. yeah, I just wanted to kind of just bring light to not just AAPI, but also like um, the woman-led side of that. AAPI women-led and hashtag I'm ready. Just, wow. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. Honestly, I have no more words to say. I feel like this conversation could have gone on for like two hours. There were a lot of unfinished thoughts there and also a lot of great insights at the same time. I just feel like I walked away from that like with a new understanding of life. All right, I don't know if anybody listens to the end of this, so I'm just gonna leave it in here. I met Carlo in 2017 and that was the first time in my life that I saw what it meant to be instead of act. And it was the most liberating thing to ever see and to learn about. So thank you. And if you're a listener, I really appreciate it all. And hopefully I'll get season two out soon. And yeah, this has been really fun. Thank you so much for the space. And thank you for listening to me have these conversations with these wonderful people.